Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Biasis. It is good to see you guys, always. Be sure that you say hi to this family church before they get out of here. You will definitely be blessed by them. So some good news that we have. Uh, Mike is back with us, so Mike, welcome back. And uh, Pete and Carla's, what's her name? Lainey are COVID-free, yes, good. So thank you for your prayers on that. And Dick is in Scotland somewhere. So, but he's in Scotland, so that's a praise that he made it to Scotland okay. So, uh, praise God for, for these things that are his hand is working in. So, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll go ahead and dig in to what we have today. Father, you are so good and so kind to us, Lord, and your grace and your mercy is always abundant, that, Father, we never will be without it. Father, we thank you this morning for Jesus. We thank you that we can come and we can sing praises to him, Lord, that we can come and know that the battle belongs to you, Father, and yet we, we fight with our hands lifted high, Lord, on our knees in prayer with you, Lord. The church battles on its knees. Father, we thank you that we can come and look into your word and see how wonderful you are and how majestic you are and how glorious you are. And Lord, I pray that as we've been doing this series that we have seen you in such a way that our theology of you has turned our doxology even greater, Lord, that our worship of you is purer and it is more in spirit and in truth of who you are. And so, God, I just pray the same thing today. I ask that you would come, Father, and that your spirit would encourage us where we need to be encouraged, that would convict us where we need to be convicted, and that, Father, you would be ultimately put on glorious display in the reading and the preaching of your word. In your name, I ask all these things. Amen. So we've been doing the attributes of God, and we've seen these attributes as we have seen his his, the beauty of his holiness. We've seen the, uh, the majesty of his mercy and his grace. We've seen how all of these attributes he is infinite in. Last week, we looked at his ultimate power, how powerful God is and that there is no rival to him. He is all-powerful and nobody can subdue him in any way. Today we will be looking at his omniscience, that he is all-knowing. So to start off with, you and I, you and I, we have to admit that we probably know of somebody, or we know somebody, or we are a person that thinks they know everything. And we would all want that, right? We would all want to know everything. We would all want to have ultimate knowledge, ultimate wisdom, ultimate understanding, infinite in all of these. But that's not true of us because we are finite beings. So that means simply we do not know it all. And trust me, I work at the barbershop. 
I have plenty of clients that know everything. And you have to deal with that. But today we are going to see that God is the one who is all-knowing. He knows all things. This is encouraging. It brings rest to us. It brings peace to our heart. And yet it is very frightening that he knows all things. And we'll look at all those things. So Isaiah starts off with, he brings some rhetorical questions. Isaiah, in Isaiah 40, verses 13 and 14, he says, Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom does... Or whom did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? These are all rhetorical questions that come with the answer of no one. No one counsels God. No one consults with God. No one gives God understanding, because he is infinite in all of that. We are the ones that go to the Word to get counsel. We are the ones that go to Him and we consult with Him. We are the ones that bow our knee in prayer to get understanding in His Word because He is infinitely all-knowing. 1 Samuel 2.3 puts it this way, Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him, actions are weighed. In the book of Job, we see in verses 20, chapter 21, verse 22, Will any teach God knowledge, seeing that he judges those who are on high? And in Job 36, 4, For truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. Therefore, God is completely omniscient. He is all-knowing. This means that he knows himself perfectly. He knows his self-existence. He perfectly comprehends his sovereignty and omnipotence. He knows and rightly appraises his attributes. He has full knowledge of his love, mercy, and grace. He knows all that can be known, actual and practical and possible. He knows instantly and effortlessly. He knows all matter and matters, all creaturehood and creatures, all laws, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all motions, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven and hell. He never discovers anything. He never learns anything. He is never surprised, amazed, or wonders at anything. He is simply omniscient, and we should praise him for this. Our hearts should be riveted by his knowledge. We should stand in awe of his knowledge. God is not only all-knowing, but God knows all things that will come to pass. He knows the things that were hidden in the past. He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future to come. He sees the whole parade. We only see parts of it. As the writer of his eternal decree, he knows what will happen in all the affairs of his providence. Again, Isaiah, in in chapter 46, verses 9 and 10, he says this, 
Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient time things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. This brings in his omniscience and this brings in his omnipotence. We see in this verse he is all-knowing. We see in this verse he is all-powerful. And he is the one who says it, that I am God and there is none like me. There is no rivals to God. What comfort this brings the believer. We can lay our heads on our pillows at night with complete rest and confidence that there is nothing happening in our lives or in this world that God does not know about or has not decreed to take place. So since God is all-knowing, then this means he's all-seeing. He is all-seeing. This is the scary one, that he is all-seeing. El-Roy, E-L-R-O-I, El-Roy, it means the God who sees. Hagar, the outcast servant of, of Abraham, she calls God El Roy in Genesis sixteen, thirteen, and 14. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Berlahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Barid. So this Berlaha Roy means the well of the living one who sees. And what encouragement we can get from this verse because Hagar, she was casted out. And she sits there and she says, I have seen him who looks after me that God sees and he looks down even on the outcast. He cares for even the outcast. He cares for Hagar. And she recognizes that he is the almighty, the God who sees. In 2 Chronicles 16, 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. What we want to look at is the first part. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. He sees it all, all things happening. Man, sometimes I can't even see what's right in front of my face. But he sees it all. Clearly, nothing is blurred. It's crystal clear before him. The whole earth is under the watchful gaze of its creator. Isn't that encouraging to us? The whole earth, everything happening from the North Pole to the South Pole is under the watchful, caring, merciful, gracious grace of our almighty God who knows all and is all-powerful, who sits in glory that we can't imagine, who dwells holiness like we can't even think about. He is beautiful in all of these things, and he watches over it. Paul tells us in Psalms 33, the Lord looks down from heaven, he sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. Again in Psalm 139, 11, and 12, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, 
and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is for darkness is as light with you. So even the darkest darkness God sees in. It is light to him. He sees perfectly clear. Nothing blurs his sight. Proverbs 15:3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God sees everyone, everything, in every place. Wow, that is amazing. That is amazing that he sees this. But if he is an all-seeing God who sees all things in everyone and in everything and in every place, that means he knows the human heart. And he sees the human heart. And he knows exactly what's in the human heart. God knows each person, each one of us. He knows us through and through, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. That is encouraging, and that is frightening. At the same time, as I was doing this study, it scared, it scared me as I got through these things. 1 Kings 8.39 Then here in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and render to each whose heart you know according to all his ways. For you, you only know the hearts of all the children of mankind. Everyone who is on this planet, God knows their hearts. So this means we cannot hide from God. We cannot hide from him. He sees all things, and he knows the heart. He knows what happened in the garden, right? Genesis 3.8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Well, now God's all-knowing, so did he not know where they were? No, he knew exactly where they were. He knew they were hiding. He knew what they did. He knew their heart. He knew their heart. And look at what happened. When sin entered in, they fled from the beauty of his holiness because of the darkness of the heart. But we know what God does as we finish reading that that chapter. So we cannot hide from God. There is no secret sin that he misses, right? These are the secret sins that you go into your closet. You shut the door, you lock the door, and you get on your phone. Maybe you're looking at something that you shouldn't look at. Maybe you're thinking something that you shouldn't think. These are the secret sins, the hidden sins, the sins that you don't want anybody to find out. God knows them. And we have them. Even as believers, we have them. But he knows them. He doesn't miss out on them. Listen to Psalms 98. You have set our iniquity before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. You see, we think we're hiding, but our secret sin, it is bright as the sun is shining in the eyes of God. He knows the deepness. He knows the secret sins of our hearts. And this is what happens, Numbers 32, 23. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure 
This is God's words, brothers and sisters. And be sure your sin will find you out. God will not let it stay hidden. He will bring it out. Look at the words. Be sure your sin will find you out. That is absolutely frightening if you are trying to conceal sin in your heart. Frightening. He will bring it out. He knows the treasonous wickedness of the heart. In Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, you and I can't understand it, that's for sure, because we're not all-knowing. But obviously, there's times when people think they can understand it, but they don't, because they're not God. And we're look at verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his way, according to the fruit of his deeds. He sees the treasonous wickedness of the heart. There's sin that we cannot hide. And the reason is, is because we, as his creatures, as his creation, we are laid naked before him. That's what Hebrews tells us in 4.13. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him to whom we must give an account. There will be a day where we will stand before the Lord and we will give an account. The Gospels tell us, Jesus says that we will give an account for every careless word we speak. Every careless word we speak. We laid naked before him. We can't hide before him. He knows the human heart. And since he knows the human heart, God also knows those that will come to faith. He also knows those that are going to come to faith because he brings them to faith. Because we bring them to we, We've already talked about this. There's, there's no way that he looks down the corridor of, li- of, of, of uh, history and sees who's going to choose him. Because he, if he doesn't know who's gonna, who are his children, well, then he's not all-knowing. He's not all-knowing. He can't be surprised. He can't all of a sudden be there and go, oh, wow, Mark just said to, believer's prayer no he he knows because he chose if i took him by surprise then he's not all-knowing but he's all-knowing so he knows those are his listen to john 10 16 and i have other sheep that are not of this fold i must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock one shepherd acts 13 48 And when the Gentiles heard this, that is the gospel preached, that is what they heard, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed, selected, chosen, elected to eternal life believed. Ephesians 1.4, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, before we were born, before we did anything good or bad, God had chosen us before the foundations of the world. Why? That we should be holy and blameless before him in Christ. In love he predestined us to the adoptions of sons. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions. And he knew who the chosen race was. He knew who the royal priesthood is. He knew the holy nation. And that's us. 
God has chosen us to be this royal priesthood, to be a holy nation. Why? So that we may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Wow, Peter had a way with words. He had a way with words. He knows who are his. Paul tells this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.19. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. God then sees every person for who they truly are. He cannot be fooled. He cannot be misled. He never misreads anything. He never misinterprets. And he knows the truth about all things in our lives, in our hearts. Therefore, his understanding of us and all things is infinite. Is infinite. We don't even know what's going to happen five minutes from now, but he does. We don't even know what's going to happen 30 seconds from now, but he does. This should be staggering that he is infinite in his knowledge. Psalms 147.5, great is our Lord, abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. We have a thing called an IQ test that measures how knowledgeable we are. He doesn't have an IQ test. He doesn't have an IQ test. His knowledge is beyond measure. That is vast. That is infinite. Listen to Psalms 139, 1 through 6. This is, this is just a great, great passage. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge. The psalmist David Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. What worship that he has for his God. What knowledge. What wonderful knowledge. Such knowledge. This word search, when David says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me in verse 1. This word search means the depths, the recesses. God examines, he finds out, he probes. That's what David is asking God to do, to search me and know me, to to search the recesses, to, to probe the depths of my heart so that I don't have any secret sin. Bring it up, examine me, examine my heart. You know all these things. But God, in his omniscience, also knows all of David's actions, right? When I sit down, when I rise up, he knows what David's actions are going to be from the time the sun comes up to the time the sun goes down. He knows every one of his actions. This word know, is, it's, uh, in the Hebrew, it's yada, 
Y-A-D-A. It's yada. This word is used as, a, it's like, it's a physical, physical intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. It's intimate. It's intimate. It's this intimate knowledge that God has. And that's what David is saying. You have searched me and you know me. This intimate knowledge. You know when I sit down. He's intimately involved with his people. He is intimately involved with us. He knows us like I know my wife. You all know Jenny, but I know Jenny. And that's what God's saying. And that's what David, David wants. He, he doesn't want to just know God. He wants to know God, and he wants God to know him and to reveal to him where he's at. God knows what David is going to say even before he says it. In verse 4, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. That is scary. That's scary that God knows what we're going to say even before we say it. How many times have you said something and you're like trying to do this to get it back? I didn't mean to say that. Or I didn't mean it in that way or our tone or how we come across. God knows it though. God knows how we're going to say it. And if it's in a sinful way, he knows that our hearts meant it in a sinful way. So our action should be to get on our knees and ask for forgiveness and to have God search us and probe us and examine us. So like we talked about today in Sunday school, so that we can be those who are gospel driven towards holiness. To be like him. To pursue what he wants us to pursue. David has a plea also in this psalm. When he does sin, this is what he says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Is that your prayer, brothers and sisters? Do you pray this way? Do you get on your knees and say, Lord, is there any grievous way in me? Because if there is, it brings an assault against you. It, does, it, it defames your character. So reveal to me if there's any grievous way in me. And God knows if there is. And when we ask him to search us and reveal it, he will. He is omniscient, and this omniscience should change our lives. It should change our lives as his children, that we can rest in the truth that he knows us perfectly. He knows us when others misunderstand us or they misrepresent us. He knows when we suffer unjustly for doing what is right. He knows when we have been falsely accused. He knows our trials and our tribulations. He knows the joys of our hearts and the pains of our souls. He knows these things. God, in his omniscience, should bring us conviction, should bring conviction in our life. He knows every selfish motive we have. He hears every hurtful, degrading word we say about a believer or an unbeliever. 
He knows every wicked thought we have. He knows every unfruitful action we make or we take. In every sinful desire of our hearts, He knows. Brothers and sisters, you can be vulnerable with God in your prayer closet because He knows. You don't have to be impressive. Just be you. Be broken before Him. Come before Him with a broken and a contrite heart with conviction over your sin, because he already knows it. Be that way. God's omniscience should change our prayers. Should change our prayers like I just said, knowing that we are not informing him of anything that he does not know. We're not updating God on current events. He is current, so we don't have to update him. So we can't approach prayer in that way, but approach prayer this way, understanding that his undivided attention is on us or is on you. You have the ear of God. His ear is bowed. When you call his name, his ear is bowed from his high and lifted and glorious throne that we saw in Isaiah 6 where the train of his robe fills the temple with all of his glory, where seraphims have to cover his eyes because they can't look upon his glory. He bows his ear to hear his child when we pray. This should change our life. His omniscience should change our life. We bow. He bows his ear to his children. We can be brutally honest, like I said, because he knows all things. If at any time you doubt this, if you doubt what we've talked about, just turn to the Psalms. Read the Psalms. See the heart of David in the Psalms. His heart is laid out for us to see. In the Psalms, there are times in the Psalms where David's like, where are you? Where are you? When David penned Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't know he was penning a messianic psalm, but that was his heart. Where are you? Have you forsaken me? Go there. Go to the Psalms. Pray the Psalms. Pray God's word back to him. But get to the point where David does, that he is still his rock his salvation, this is who he is, should change our lives. Pour down his heart. What a marvelous, glorious, and fearful truth that God knows us the best. Isn't that true? What a marvelous, glorious truth that God knows us the best. But how encouraging and precious to know that he loves us the most go to him in prayer so to close brothers and sisters may you and i today find much rest and peace in knowing that god knows all things let's pray father thank you for our time lord we just thank you that we can just come to you and we can bow our heads before you and we can be honest with you lord thank you for being a god who knows all things Thank you for being one who is powerful enough to do all things for your children. Father, may we be a people who pray big prayers because we have a big God. And may we do it for your glory, Father. Amen. Please stand with me as we sing our last song.